0: Good morning everybody, it is good to see you this morning and to be a part of worship If you will take your Bibles or uh, Bible app and turn to Romans chapter 12 Romans chapter 12 While you're turning there, I think it would be appropriate I I wanted to mention our friends Israel Um, Wayne and Amy have taken trips to Israel Many of you have gone to Israel with them and they're planning a trip in 2025, um, and then they are friends spiritually as well as their history that brought about Jesus Christ. What an amazing history that is, but I think uh, I want to uh, open us up and just pray for them and pray for their safety and all the people that are surrounding that conflict. So if you will join with me to pray for them. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to, to have friends and to have people that are close to us and uh, People in Israel are close to this church and people here. Pray that you'd be with them and keep them safe. But we know that your will will be be done. And uh, may we submit to that will. And uh, we pray that you would um, uh, show us what we need to do in in, uh, helping them as well. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I am going to uh, continue or end the series on the heart, guarding your heart. Our heart, not just the muscle, not just the, that part of our body, but the, uh, our heart as far as our emotions and our essence and who we are is very fragile. We can be offended easily. We can, uh, we can really, it, it can really mess us up for people to do things that are not right. And so in we, preaching through this series, we want to guard our hearts. And this morning is, guard your heart against anger. And since no one here has any problems with that, we're just going to close up and go home. I think we all have some issues with anger. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 25 says, Be angry and sin not. Now what a task that is. Be angry and sin not. So it does mean this, that there is a situation where you can be angry and it not be wrong. But there is that warning that you need to be angry and sin not. There are two questions I want to ask from all ages, all of us, especially when when you're younger and you're trying to figure out how to control yourself and control your emotions and all those other things, all the way to to when you're older and, and you're just tired of controlling things and you're just done. All of us need to know how to control our anger and these two questions help us with that to see if our anger is right or wrong number one is what makes you angry what makes you angry whatever makes you angry is going to be that thing that determines whether it is right or wrong is it something that God has said to be angry about with sin or is it something that you have decided the second question is how do you express your anger Several people will express their anger and even think that anger is the activity of your temper being exposed. Uh, that's not anger. That is the consequence or repercussion or results of your anger is what you lash out doing. Anger is in the heart. It's inside you. And so people react to anger in different ways you might internalize it and become bitter it might be in there for years it might come out right in that moment whatever it is uh, how do you express your anger what do we get angry over what makes you angry maybe inconsistent uh, incompetent people incompetent people now they're only incompetent because you think they're incompetent they can't they're not doing what you think they ought to be they're dumb and so it makes you mad. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So it makes you mad. How about things you can't control? Listen, we're living in, we're living in a day, and we're even part of a church where just things just keep changing. And, 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 it, and God keeps do, moving, and, and more he does. But at times we're like, ah, that's not the way I want it to be. And so we begin to get angry at things we can't control. It could be long lines. Don't go to Disney World if you have a temper. Long lines. It could be inconsiderate people. People who are condescending and inconsiderate. It just makes you angry. People who say hurtful things can make you angry. Noise. Get somebody a big bag a chip of Dorito, uh, bag of uh, Doritos and just they start chomping on it. Mouth wide open. See how you feel. <laughs> some of you might not bother you. But some of you, <laughs> it's like they better stop chomping or something bad is going to happen. Sometimes we can get angry because we're called out for doing something wrong. Somebody calls us out and says you're you're wrong. And, oh no! Oh no! And so we get angry at that. There are things that are good anger, and then there are things that we get angry at. It's not right. So I want to give you some principles and then get into this text. Some of these principles that I think will help us understand anger. Number one principle: you write these things down. Anger is an emotion. But it's revealed in different ways. I already said that. But right anger is an emotion. It's inside you. It doesn't matter if it is if, if you call it frustration, or if you call it anger or if you call it bitterness, it's the same emotion. And you have to deal with it properly. It could be something that you're holding in or expressing out, but it's an emotion. and so we have to deal with it on the level of emotions, not on the level of activity. Uh, second one: anger is a response to injustice. I feel like I've been wronged. Most of the time, when we are angry, we are angry because something didn't go the way it's supposed to. Kids didn't, wife didn't, a brother or sister didn't. Something just went wrong. You're wearing my shirt. That's wrong, right? We go and we try to find the. I mean, how many? And you, you think, well, I get angry at a. You know, when a lawnmower don't start. You know, or, or a weed eater, or a. You know, a chainsaw and you just keep pulling, and keep pulling. That's injustice. Well, that thing's supposed to start. And so you keep pulling it and pulling it. Y'all yeah, know what it's like. You keep pulling it, and the more you pull it, the matter you get. And it's like this is a piece of junk. I'm, and you start throwing it, you start whatever you want to do. It's, it's, not, it's not just, it's not right. It's supposed to start. And then there are things in life that are so unjust that it causes an extreme amount of pain much more than a weed eater not starting that causes years of counseling or years of therapy or years of just working through that is just so painful that we say that's just not right. The way they treated me, what they did is just not right. And so when those emotions come up then we wonder what should be our response. The, The next Principle is anger can compromise what you value most. You know, we get angry, the things we get angry at the most probably are the things that are closest to us, our families. You see, when someone, let's just say someone loses their temper at a spouse or at a child, or at, and we just kind of lose ourselves, we are actually viewing the relationship of, of less value than our anger and getting things right I want to be right more than I want a relationship with this individual Boy, I tell you that's that's cutting deep isn't it what it's saying to us is that we value our emotions and our response and our selfishness more than we value the other person and having a relationship with them because you can ruin it you really can ruin a relationship you can ruin your integrity With an individual, maybe someone is uh, you're serving them or someone's serving you at a table and maybe you're serving them at the table. You're at the hospital and you're a nurse and and, and, and there are reactions to have with people that are just rude and mean and however they are and maybe your outburst is anger. Uh, You can have a possible response of loss of integrity where once you start with the anger, your witness is lost with them. So that's a principle we need to understand that be careful with your anger because it can compromise what you value most. And then the last principle I want to see is anger needs to be controlled, not removed. The Buddhist idea of, of emotions is that you must get rid of them, but that's not the Christian idea. That's not, follow, that's not Christ's idea God gave us emotions and he wants us to express them. He wants us to to express them for his glory. And so with anger, we need to understand that we don't need to remove the anger. We need to control the anger. It means that we, if we got angry, it would be at what God has said to be angry at. And we would do what God has said to do. And so, if, as we look at Romans chapter 12, we want to ask the question, as we've seen these principles, how are we supposed to respond when the emotion of anger begins to rise? Or even before it does, when we're in a bad situation. When we're in an unjust situation, what should be our response? What should be our thought process? Well, I'm going to go through this text and go a little bit backwards. Start with verse 19, then we'll kind of back up and go to the rest. But it would be Romans 12:14 through 21 is what we'll be looking at. But in verse number 19, I want you to look at this. This is the first thing that we should understand about anger. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. First thing we have to understand when we are talking about anger is that we have to recognize God's position in our, in our emotions. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance means repaying for justice, all of those things. That belongs to God, it doesn't belong to me. I don't get to decide whether something is right or wrong, God does. And so when God decides whether it's right or wrong, then he also decides what the response will be. If you look at the life of Jonah, Jonah was a preacher and he was, God had told him to go preach to Nineveh. Nineveh was a bad nation and they, bad city and they were going to come and hurt the Israelites. And Jonah knew it and so Jonah did not like them at all. And God said, I want you to go and preach to them. And Jonah took justice into his own hands, vengeance into his own hands, and says, I will not go preach to those people. And God says, Yes, you will. (laughs) Swallows them up. He comes out. He preaches to them. And then this is the most amazing thing to me in that that book about Jonah is that Jonah goes on a mountainside and watches what happens. Just go home. But he watches what happens, and he gets angry at God, not because he wondered what God would do, but because he knew what God would do and disagreed with him. He said, God, I don't want you to save them. Therefore, I don't want to preach to them. Well, I preached to them, and you saved them, and I knew you would. And so what happens is this. When we understand this, listen to this carefully. And we know this is true, but let's let's ask this question What if God loves those you hate? What what if God wants to save someone that has hurt you? I'm not the judge of all that, so I have to understand. Now, that doesn't take away the hurt, it doesn't take away pain, it doesn't take away the fact that you have been hurt. But what it does is it takes all that hurt and it takes all that pain. And instead of it coming out in anger and bitterness, it comes out in, well, God, you're going to have to take care of that. It's yours. J.D. Greer says it this way. What it happens <clears throat> is that we are free of the burden of feeling like that we have to make things right. And he ends with saying God promises to carry that burden. God carries the burden of making things right. Not me. I do a poor job of it anyway. In me trying to make things right, I find myself apologizing the next morning. (laughs) And by the way, my wife and I, we've never had an argument. We've had moments of intense Christian fellowship. (laughs) And there's been moments of intense Christian fellowship where the next morning I'm going, am I going to apologize to her now or later? We, we mess things up. God knows what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. And here's the response. When we, when we give vengeance to God, there is something we can do. And it brings us to this second one, respond accordingly. See, we recognize God's position, but we also respond accordingly. In responding accordingly... Uh, we look in the text a little further and he says vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord verse number 20 to the contrary if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head now listen when you're reading the first part you're like no I'm not going to feed the, you know give uh, my enemy food and I'm not going if he's thirsty I'm not going to give him something to drink but he said in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head oh yeah wow. You want some food? Here you go. I forgive you. Here's a hot bed of coals. Our understanding or my understanding of this passage was totally off as I was growing up. I thought that by being nice to someone, you were actually pouring the coals of hell on them. (laughs) I was wrong. It isn't actually that we are participating in the vengeance of God, what is actually happening is we are, when God says, I want, you, I want you to leave vengeance with me and then I want you to do the nice thing, what you're actually doing is you are doing something different. You're acting different than what they would expect. Culture has produced everything that we need to see anger and to participate in it. Everything we see... It just, it it allows us to be angry. And so when someone does something else like forgive or anything else like that, then we're like, wait a minute, that's different. And so what the hope is, is what God is saying is when when you are being nice to people, what you're actually doing is you are causing them to have to respond to what you've done to them. They have to consider what you've done to them. If you've been nice to someone who has not been nice to you, they have to consider that. They have to go home considering that. And so that would pour the hot coals over their head, meaning that they have to consider it and address it with God. You're taking it out of your hands. It's on them and God to figure out. You go about your business. And here's where it it really comes to us. We don't have time to be angry. That's what God is doing. He's saying, I want you to live a different life. I'll take care of the anger or the vengeance. And so, in that different life, when you are being nice, when you're being kind, and all, you're actually saying, God, that's you, and I'm going to do what you have told me to do, and that is to lead others to you. Well, in verse number 14, not only is he talking about feeding the hungry with our enemy and giving them to drink, he also gives pretty specific emotional responses that we give. Instead of responding in anger, he gives us some other emotional responses or really choices that would affect our emotions. Look at this. He says in verse number 14, Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. I want you to write these things down if you can. Write these things down. I'm going to pour through this passage and give you opposite responses to anger. Alternate responses. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's empathy. Empathy. It means instead of you feeling like it's all about me and everything should be right in my eyes and I don't care about you, therefore you will come up to me or I will push you down. Either way, I want you to be sure that it's all about me. Instead of doing that, think about the other person. When someone's serving you and they're not being nice, why? Might have had a bad day. Someone's driving 28 miles an hour on a 55 zone. <laughs> have some empathy. I know it's hard. Just that thought of empathy. Think of the other person. Maybe they can't see. I don't know. But it's just having a response. But on a greater level, I know it's elementary, but on a greater level, on a greater level, it is understanding that when I have been hurt, I have been hurt by someone who is also hurt. When someone is trying to break me, they're trying to break me because they are broken themselves. So my response to people should be understanding that they've got problems too, right? Empathy, empathy, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That's humility. Anger is arrogance Uh, the expression of it allowing it to be uncontrolled is arrogance it's my way I it's my justice it's who what I want to happen and so with that it comes a sense of pride and what God says is lower yourselves let me decide all that lower yourselves, and then it and then it even says that you don't don't be wise in your own eyes you don't have the answers how do you know what's right and wrong how do you get to decide what is right and wrong? I don't get to decide. I don't get to. Now I'll participate. But God has not given that to me to decide what right and wrong is. So we have to have humility. Bow yourselves. Listen, students at school, understand that you're not there for you and you're not there. You're there to glorify God. And the best way to glorify God is for you to get out of yourself and understand what God wants to do with your classmates. That he might want to change their lives. And in changing their lives, it begins to change yours as well. And instead of coming in and being angry. Angry at that teacher that gave you a 20 when you probably deserved it. (laughs) Humble yourselves knowing that you're not that wise. Verse number 17, it says... Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Don't repay evil for evil. That's forgiveness. This is a point of um, where we really have a difficult time emotionally. As we can forgive with our mouths sometimes, and we forgive, you forgive know, to a certain degree. But to really forgive someone, to really let something go, um, that, that, that's a task. But it says that that's part of that's another response. Instead of anger, have empathy and humility and forgiveness. Verse number eighteen, it says, "If possible, so far it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all." That's restraint. Uh, That's restraint. If you are angry with someone and you start to write a text to them, erase the text. You got this long email. You just man, you got this long email erase it that's the best advice I ever got when I was going into ministry if you're ever mad you write an email erase it I was like well what if it's good email it doesn't matter erase it because it's out of anger you see we have to deal with things out of truth and love and we say love is an emotion yes love has emotion with it but it is a choice and truth and following truth is a choice. We, we, our responses to people need to be out of truth and love. Even verse number 9 says, let love be genuine, not out of our emotional responses. Because when our emotions respond, they sometimes will respond aggressively or in ways that the repercussions will not be, um, that would be destructive. And then verse 19 through 21 Uh, Especially 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's surrender. Don't let anger control you. You control anger with good. So here's the last thing that we want to get to, and it is probably the most important to understand. Because what I'm telling you, have some empathy, have forgiveness, but and I know your response will be, yes, but you don't know what's happened to me. you don't understand the pain that I'm in, and, and I don't, and no one does. but when we're trying to get to this, we're trying to find out, yeah, but how do I forgive? How do I have empathy? How do I restrain myself? because two weeks ago, I you know I kind of got upset and then asked for forgiveness, and then I found myself yesterday doing the same thing, right and that I need some help here. Anybody else do that too? We just we do things over because we just don't have the power of restraint. And 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 asking me and you, you and I, to control our anger is almost like asking me to put my football pads on and a helmet and try to make a touchdown with the Georgia Bulldogs on the other side. Ain't gonna happen. And to ask me to control myself and my emotions and everything, it ain't going to happen. Why? Because I was born a sinner. My, my, my. I don't have, I don't have the capacity. And so here's where it comes, where in verse number, verses number 1 and 2, let's go back to that and kind of finish this out and understand this passage. So in verses number 1 and 2, it tells us how that we are going to be able to do this. Now, When Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, he's saying, I'm appealing to you because of what has been said. Chapter 11, all the way back, chapter 1, was all about what Jesus gave us. He gave us salvation. He gave us his spirit. He gave us wonderful things that would give us the tools to be able to live right and to do right and, and so that we would be what he's wanting us to be. And then in chapter 12, he says, okay, here's what I want you to do with it. I've given you all this grace, all this love, all, this, all the tools, all that you need, the Spirit. Now here's what I want you to do with it. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What does God want us to do with our salvation? Hand it back over. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. If you go into this this, uh, time period, they understood sacrifice, animal sacrifices. But they understood it in the terms of Death. You, when you're going to be a sacrifice, just like Jesus, you're going to die. You're going to be a dead sacrifice. But what Paul is saying is, he, I don't, God is not asking you to take your life and to die. He's asking you to take your life and live. And the way to be a living sacrifice is to present your body like a present, like a present to God, where you bow before God each and every day. And you say, God, I'm yours. To be used of you. God, I want my emotions of anger to be yours. I want, I want my sadness to be yours. God, I want my joy to be yours. Today, I present to my body who I am, everything about me, I present it to you. When I'm going to school, God, I want my studies to be yours. I want my sports to be yours. I want my friends to be yours, my friendships. And so God would use who we are and if we would surrender to him and present ourselves to him for his use, then he does the work in our hearts to be able to do what is necessary to do. Because I can't try hard enough to not be mad. It just makes me mad. (laughs) so when we're coming to the end of this we also show in this text not only present your bodies a living sacrifice but it also says to be transformed by the renewal of your mind be transformed by the renewal of your mind don't be conformed to the world the world's offering you anger it's offering you uh, all kinds of things evil, uh, bitterness and, and hatred, it's offering you All things that are destructive but Jesus said Paul said don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind renewal it's like a an over and over and over and over renewal a change so when we're talking about anger I'm almost positive that you're not going to have anger beat after this sermon but you could be on your way You probably won't even remember I preached it in two weeks. But what you can remember is that today, I need to present my body as a living sacrifice. Tomorrow morning when I wake up, I need to present my body as a living sacrifice. And part of that presentation is that we would get into the Word of God and see what He has to say about the day it's basically having a spiritual life and a spiritual walk with the Lord. And you're not, it's not about ha- being perfect tomorrow. It's about being in a process where God is growing you. And the decision is made on your knees, bowed before God, saying, God, I need your help today because I've got problems with this. And maybe in a week or two, in a two, three years, you'll look back and you'll say, you know what? I'm better today than I was then. When we come to the conclusion of the whole matter of anger, there is one principle as we're thinking about surrendering our lives to God, there is one principle that that kind of encapsulates all of it and should really be our motivation. And it is the fact that Jesus died for our sins. He sacrificed for our sins. He sacrificed for us. Imagine, what, how, what was God's reaction when you cheated on a test? What was God's reaction when you went too far in a relationship you weren't supposed to? What was God's reaction? And here's the thing, is God's reaction was this. I'm offering to you Jesus Christ who paid the price of justice for it and then giving you mercy. I'm offering to you mercy because Jesus paid the, just, the price of justice. And so, what he's saying is, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you, I want you to be my life in the world. And though we are poor representation, the Spirit of Christ can indwell our hearts where we can have the reactions that Jesus would have. And we can say to the world, you know what? Jesus has paid the price for the sins that you've committed, and now we offer you mercy. Instead of offering anger, offer mercy. Now I know, we've got we to address this. Yeah, but didn't Jesus beat him out the temple? Wasn't there a time, and theologians have even thought, that there were were two times that Jesus got a whip out and just went through the temple. Don't know if he whipped the people. Whatever he did, he just cracked the whip and turned over tables and people went flying. Here's the thing to understand about that is that Jesus' purpose in his life, number one, was one of the purposes was to make people mad. He wanted the Pharisees to get mad enough to kill him. Well, that worked. And so as he is doing what he's doing, he, ha- he knows what he's doing. He knows what he wants to do. And, but even, even at that, when we say, oh, yeah, well, Jesus got mad, I can get mad. And even at that, understand this, that Jesus, even though he got angry and got upset and where he was at, he still died for him. There's one or two occurrences where Jesus rightly in his own justice, did what he did. But there were there were countless times in the Bible that has shown where God has offered grace and mercy and has told us to offer that to others. We're not in charge of vengeance, God is. And so what he's told us to do is to offer mercy. So here is the invitation. If you are here this morning and... You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He has died for you. He he died for your sins and He he paid the price of justice for your sins and and He wants to save you. He wants you to be a follower of His. And if He's drawing you this morning, we invite you to come and to trust Jesus Christ. Those of us, those of you who are followers of Christ and you're dealing with anger issues and you think about empathy and restraint and forgiveness and all of those things you're saying and you're saying to yourself I I, want to be that way I want to have the life I want to represent Christ this is what you do bow before God and present your body as a living sacrifice to him and say God I want to start today where you control my emotions you control my life and help me in each moment as we journey on Heavenly Father, thank you for these moments. I pray, God, that you would help us to um, really to be exactly what you want us to be and to be able to do that. We need your help. We need your presence, your spirit to work in us and to work through us. And we also, God, we, we, we need those instructions as we study on what forgiveness looks like and what it looks like to just hold back and have restraint. Lord, most of all, May it be that our life represents Jesus Christ so much that people would want that life. In Jesus' name, amen.